The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, as I was thinking about coming this morning, the phrase that came to my mind, because of course it's Christmas Eve, was a child is born. And then I thought of another child. And then I began thinking of the similarities, particularly in the births of these two babies, of course, the Buddha and Jesus. Both uh, very humble births, although the two were from very, very different backgrounds. Uh, As you know, uh, Jesus was the son of a carpenter, so pretty working class, probably. The Buddha, on the other hand, was from a wealthy noble class. Yet both of their births were pretty humble. Jesus in a manger, uh, because no one had room for them to come and stay. And the Buddha in the park, Lumbini Park. Uh, Both were traveling. Both moms were traveling. Mary and Joseph were on their way to be registered for the census. And uh, Maya, the Buddha's mother, was on her way to her parents' house. It was tradition at that time when a woman was to give birth, she traveled to the home of her parents. Uh, And in both cases, you know, labor (laughs) began. And uh, with the Buddha, they stopped in this park. And uh, it said, the mythology or the story says, that Maya grabbed hold of the branch of a tree and gave birth from her left side. Uh, Mary, on the other hand, I think had a more traditional birth. (laughs) Um, Possibly both babies were wrapped in swaddling clothes. Anyway, both were attended. And... um, Both had been foretold. The sages of the time had foretold that Mary would have the Messiah. And for who became the Buddha, Gautama, uh, it was foretold that he would be a great leader of men. Either... um, a spiritual leader, or following his father, the king, a government leader. And I think whether we believe all the pieces of the birth stories, I don't think is as important as the fact that the conditions point to a very auspicious birth. So both of them were, um, were important, 
were uh, foretold and were celebrated. It's said that there was a great light in the sky for both babies as they were born. And so they were major events. There are many other similarities in the teachings between these two, who, of course, both grew up to be important spiritual teachers, even though Gautama's um, or Siddhartha's uh, father certainly didn't want him to be a spiritual teacher. He wanted him to follow in his steps. Nevertheless, uh, it was destined that he would become the Buddha and, uh, and not follow in the king's footsteps. They were born something like 500 years apart, and yet their teachings, their messages, are very similar in many ways. Not in all ways, of course, but in many ways. And I have realized these similarities over the last 30 years of practice. I was raised Christian, came to Buddhism midlife, and so I've been able to see uh, and experience the similarity of the teachings. There's a book uh, written by Marcus Borg, or edited, I should say, who is a Christian scholar, theologian, and it's titled The Parallel Sayings of Jesus and Buddha. And he has compiled sayings of each that different in words, but very, very similar in, in their meaning. And he suggests that it's important for us to realize these similarities or to see them because it lends credence to both traditions. I would say it just a little bit differently. For me, it's valuable because they point to a larger truth. They point to universal understandings uh, rather than just Buddhist or just Christian. We don't have time this morning, but as I've been involved in interfaith work over the last many years, I have seen that there are many similarities among all of the world's uh, great traditions. They're expressed differently. They may be practiced differently because they arise in different countries and different cultures and in different ways. But the underlying uh, understandings are very, very similar. And for me, this is very valuable because so much of the conflict in our world right now is over different views, different religious views or cultural views. And if we can recognize the similarity, 
it seems to me then there might be less reason (laughs) for fighting, whether we fight verbally or physically. And I want to be clear that I don't think that means that that we're all the same or, you know, that it's just gray or whatever. I think each tradition is very rich and we can recognize the underlying similarities and maintain the different practices which give beauty and, and richness to each tradition, sort of like America, you know. We used to be the melting pot. Everybody came and had to be American. My grandparents, you know, uh, came over from Sweden, and they were so concerned about being American, uh, which meant sometimes giving up a lot of their traditions. Now, fortunately, we are more interested in people maintaining their traditions within uh, sort of a global or a, a mixed community. It's much richer. It's much more fun, isn't it, to have celebrations from lots of different traditions and we can all be American. <laughs> so, uh, as again, as I was thinking about this, there was an article in the paper about Father O'Brien, who is head of the Jesuit um, seminary or theology department at Santa Clara University. And he had been asked to make a video for Mick.com. Does anybody know? No? Oh, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> uh, about, you know, the, the arguing that has gone on about whether we should say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or et cetera. And so he made this two-minute video that had, I don't know, I can't remember, so many thousand or a million hits. And uh, what he said basically was, you know, I don't think Jesus cares whether we say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, but we should live as Jesus lived. And I think we could easily say that about Buddhism. There is a saying, you know, don't be a Buddhist, be a Buddha, which is pretty much the same thing. Live what the Buddha taught. And just this one paragraph, I think, says it so, um, so clearly, the similarities. More important than just saying Merry Christmas is to live it. That is, to live as Jesus did. To live a life of simplicity, a life of generosity, a life of service, a life of welcome and hospitality to all. And that's the conversation we should be having. So I thought that was a good conversation for today. (laughs) How do we live um, what Jesus taught and what the Buddha taught? And you see from that the similarity. Both talked about simplicity. Both talked about generosity. Both talked about service giving to others, helping others.
So, typically in Christianity, um, the word love is used extensively. And we don't use it so much in Buddhist practice, but we use compassion. And I think, in actual fact, the two are very, very similar. They tend to to have slightly different uh, what, feelings or connotations, but I think, in general, um, they're very similar. They are talking about being kind to each other. And they're talking about this kindness, this love or compassion for everyone. Not just our family, not just our friends, but for everyone. Jesus said, love your enemies. And we know when we do metta, in the Buddhist tradition, we do metta for everyone. The neutral person, the difficult person, we might say, our enemy, as well as ourselves and, and those close to us. So I think in, in those ways, love, compassion, very, very similar. Another, uh, another uh, aspect that Father O'Brien talked about and we talk about a lot is the practice of generosity, being generous with more than just money or more than just things. Being generous with our time, with whatever talents we have, with our presence, with listening. So often what people really want is to be heard. How many times have we all walked away from a conversation and felt like we weren't really heard? And how many times have we done it ourselves? I know I have jumped in too quickly with my experience or something I wanted to say and then later thinking, oh, darn, why didn't I just keep quiet and listen? (laughs) You know, the other person just wanted to be heard. So we can be generous with, with our listening, with our speech as well. We can develop a generous heart so that it's not, you know, I'm doing this to be generous, but it just comes naturally for us to be generous. To, in a way, take care of each other. Jesus said, you know, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my friend, you have done it unto me. And the Buddha said, if we don't take care of each other, who will? So, I attended on Thursday a service, an interfaith service in San Jose. And I didn't realize at the time, I read later that Thursday was was National Homeless Memorial Day. I think that's how it was called. 
So this was an interfaith memorial service for the 136 people that have died on the streets in San Jose this year, 2017. Yeah, that's quite a lot, isn't it? It was very uh, very uplifting in a way and, and very sad in another way that we live in one of the wealthiest areas of our country. And we are one of, if not the wealthiest country in the world. And so many of our fellow people are without shelter, without adequate food, um, and die on, literally, on the streets. Um, often of, of exposure, sometimes of, of lack of medical care, lack of adequate food, etc. And I think probably both uh, Jesus and the Buddha would be rather horrified <laughs> at what is happening. Um, there's no, of course, quick or easy fix or answer but certainly keeping it in our awareness um, and doing what, what each of us can do. Um, it is never enough, of course, but if we do what we can do, and if each of us does that, then we can make great progress. And of course, it's not just the homeless. There are many ways that we need each other and we need to take care of each other. It's just that the homeless are, are such a glaring example. And with this cold weather we've had the last few days, you know, I shudder as I close my door and think of people living out in this cold. I, I have made friends with a homeless man near me. And I said to him yesterday, I just don't know how you do it on these cold nights. And he's, he's obviously out of touch with reality. But, you know, this is the second time I've said that to him. And he says, oh, I've got a jacket and a sweatshirt. <laughs> and I said, do you have shelter? Well, no. And I don't, I don't know. He's always so positive. I don't know if he doesn't feel it, if he doesn't experience it, or I don't know. I don't know where he goes at night. I think, I think among the trees in the park, but I'm not sure. But, you know, I think I would die. I think I'd be one of those 136. I don't know how, I don't know how people do it, but they do. And people do it in the East. <laughs> where it's colder and snowy, it's hard for me to imagine. So, generosity, service, taking care of each other, um, doing our best for each other, living a life of simplicity. This was something, again, both men really stressed that it's too easy to be distracted by, by the materialism of the world. And both suggested 
that it was the spiritual wealth, the spiritual, the inner spiritual life that was so rich and so valuable, more than the accumulation of wealth. The Buddha is reported to have said that there's nothing wrong with having wealth or having money as long as it was made ethically and it's shared. It's used for the welfare of all beings, suggesting, you know, it's not okay to hoard it, (laughs) but to share it with everyone. And, and the image that comes to mind uh, of Jesus is his overturning the, t- the tables of the money changers in the temple where money had become so, so important. So each of us can have a different way of living a simple life. It may look different, feel different to each of us, but we can remember the idea of simplicity. And I think probably all of us would agree that it's not the things we have that make us happy. It's the relationships. It's uh, what we share with, with each other. It's the meaningful gatherings that we have. Um, and if we can remember that and keep, keep that alive. Another strong similarity is, is that of ethics or virtue or morality. Both Jesus and Buddha taught strong ethics, strong morality. Um, the commandments in the Christian tradition, the precepts in the Buddhist tradition are very similar, Uh, again, pointing to a larger or a more universal understanding of what is ethical. Uh, Sometimes in the Christian tradition, they are literally held as commandments, (laughs) black or white, and you're a sinner if you break them. In the Buddhist tradition, it seems we're a little more understanding (laughs) and it is understood that we will break them. That's just how it is. That's the way life is. We do our best and we recommit. Um, But it's pretty hard to live without breaking them. And so the important thing is our self-responsibility that we acknowledge what we have done and say to ourselves and others that we will do our best not to do that again, to do it differently. Wisdom, both men taught a tradition of wisdom and particularly wisdom within. Um, Jesus said, um, <laughs> I just went out of my mind, uh, some, the temple of God is within. Um, and we talk about, at least in the Mahayana tradition, we talk about Buddha nature 
the uh, idea that that we all have within us the capacity, the possibility for awakening, uh, whether through prayer and contemplation or through uh, meditation, both teachers suggested that we turn inward. And I think that's very clearly uh, a part of all uh, the major traditions that the wisdom is within and we're so busy looking for it out here we often miss it it's right here and in our meditation um, that's often what we meet that our own wisdom that is right here within us we don't need to travel it can be fun to travel but we don't need to to find that eternal wisdom it is right within us. And that both teachers talked about uh, valuing the teachings more than the person. So neither one wanted to be exalted or wanted to be uh, um, worshipped or celebrated. Both insisted it was the teachings that were important. And the Buddha, remember, when he was asked, but but who's going to take your place? You know, who should we follow? And he said, you don't need anybody to take my place. You have the teachings. Both, in some ways, said, be a lamp unto yourself. Be a light unto yourself. You have heard the teachings. You understand the teachings. Now go forth with them and you don't need me. Both, I think, suggested in that wisdom that that we know ourselves, that it's important to know ourselves. And again, I think this is what we reach through meditation and through contemplation, a better, a clearer understanding of ourselves, of our total selves, (laughs) not just of one part, either what we don't like or what we do like, but of both, the light and the dark, we could say, both aspects of ourselves, and, and be honest about it. It's so easy sometimes for people to do what can be called a spiritual bypass, you know, where there's just enough understanding that um, that they think they're practicing like non-self or, or compassion or something, and it's really a way of avoiding something else. And so it's important that we that we look deeply and that we be very accepting of all parts of ourselves. No part left out. So I want to say just a little bit about suffering. Um, as far as I can see it, it's talked about just a little differently in the two traditions. Um, Jesus, of course, uh, is said to have suffered greatly. Certainly, 
Uh, he was stoned, which must be a form of suffering. And he was hung on a cross, which must have been an extremely painful and difficult death. Uh, he bore it gracefully. If <laughs> That might be an oxymoron, <laughs> if you can say that. Um, but he did, and the understanding is that he bore it because he was taking on our suffering so that those who came after wouldn't suffer. I don't think that's happened, but <laughs> nevertheless, that was, that was the understanding that, that he took on the suffering of mankind. And in the Buddhist tradition, it's more about, the Buddha was more interested in discovering the cause or the origin of human suffering. And then when he did, what he taught was how, how we could avoid our own suffering, not the suffering of human birth. You know, that's inevitable. We take birth in these bodies, there's going to be pain, there's going to be discomfort, there's going to be a certain amount of suffering. But what he referred to as the second arrow, the suffering that we project or we impose on ourselves and on others through not seeing things clearly, through um, harming others, through the many ways that uh, that we don't that we don't recognize perhaps the humanity of all people, including ourselves, and so suffering in the Buddhist tradition is up to us. <laughs> There's more of an individual responsibility to recognize how we create suffering for ourselves and others and then to change that so that we don't continue creating it. Interestingly, I think in both traditions, ending suffering is a way of, of overcoming Death, we might say. Um, Jesus, through his death on the cross, and in our tradition, our Buddhist tradition, by um, becoming awake, by awakening, by freeing ourselves from the cycle of birth and death and birth and death. Both are seen as ways of, of overcoming death. So I want to mention, um, in this book, Jack Cornfield wrote the foreword, and he talks about when he was in Vietnam, uh, he was in the Peace Corps, and, and this may have been after the Peace Corps, but anyway, he was in Vietnam. He went to a monastery in the Mekong Delta. And up on a hill, he saw a 50-foot statue 
of Jesus. And next to it, a 50-foot tall statue of Buddha with their arms around each other's shoulders. Isn't that something? I have never seen a picture. I don't know why it doesn't get more press. It's, it's in here and also in the, for, or in the beginning of his book, um, Forgiveness, Loving Kindness and Peace, you know, that little green book. He says it in there too. So I assume it's true. <laughs> but I've never, I've never seen even a picture. And I don't know, I don't know why. Because I, I think that's such a beautiful image of these two incredible teachers, 500 years apart, born in different cultures, but um, teaching such similar, similar things. So we only have a few minutes, but... Uh, I wonder if anybody has comment or question or disagreement. <laughs> yeah, I just have a question. Who is it? Um, I was recently in Lumbini, and um, they have built a building around the site where. Uh, Buddha was born and I never heard that he was born you know like in the woods or whatever (laughs) so um, I just thought that he was born there was like a a piece of a building or something there that they've covered over I just thought he was born inside of some you know some place so I don't know if you have any more information about that what I've read is he was born in the park, that they stopped there to rest. And uh, and Maya went into labor and she grabbed hold of a branch of the tree and delivered. <laughs> Whether there was a structure there or not, I assume not, but yeah, yeah I don't know. But it reminds me, uh, another important piece that I totally forgot is that... Um, uh, both men were born of, what should I call it, miraculous <laughs> conceptions. <laughs> Jesus uh, was supposedly born from an immaculate conception. He, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And the myth, anyway, with the Buddha is that Maya was impregnated by a white elephant. <laughs> She had a she had a dream the night before of this white elephant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, again, you know, it's so preposterous that that that's why I think it's it's just pointing to a very auspicious, a very um, important birth. Yeah. I just was. Um I appreciated your talking about the second arrow and just reminding me of, um, you know, what we can, what we do to ourselves or what, from speaking for myself, what I can do to myself about, um, 
creating whatever in my head that's not really a reality, but it's easy to go there and live in this other place that isn't really true. And just reminding myself of that. Yeah, and and that's the key word, <laughs> true. <laughs> if we didn't believe all these things, you know, if we if we held our ideas, our thoughts, our views lightly, maybe they're true, but maybe they're not. You know, it wouldn't be such a big thing. But we grab onto them about ourselves, about others, and man, that is gospel truth. (laughs) And I'll fight you for it. Uh, Right in front? (laughs) (laughs) Your cap. (laughs) Well, here's another um, parallel between the two religions. Um, Maybe not quite the kind of parallel you were um, talking about. Uh, I've, I've read Houston Smith's book, The World's Religions, and um, in his chapter on Christianity, uh, the first third of that chapter is about the teachings of Jesus and the way he presents them and, and what the teachings were I found to be very wonderful. Um, also, Jesus' manner of teaching through um, uh, parables mm-hmm. with uh, and and metaphors, very very striking, direct uh, language, and 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 very beautiful. The last two thirds of that chapter is about the beliefs of Christianity, what you're supposed to believe, um, the metaphysical stuff, and I just found all that tiresome. <laughs> and it's the same with Buddhism. Um, uh, the teachings, uh, how we're to be, uh, how shaping our thoughts is is tremendously beautiful. Um, but when we get into the metaphysical stuff, I don't know if it's true or not. It's kind of interesting to me, but, but whenever we're taught that we really have to believe it, then I don't like that. Where do you experience that? That you have to believe it. Uh, I'd rather not say. <laughs> not here. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, okay. no, no. All of our regular teachers, no. <laughs> right, because that, for me, what you're pointing to is a major difference. That in Buddhist practice, we don't have to believe anything. Nothing. The Buddha suggested, don't believe anything because I say so, or because you read it, or because another teacher says so, or because it makes sense. Try it for yourself. Test it for yourself. When I do panels with other traditions, I love (laughs) bringing that up. Because I can sit there and hear other traditions talking about we must do this, we must do that, we have to do this or believe that or whatever. And I like to pipe up and say, (laughs) that's, you know, that's the freedom that we can experience in 
Buddhist practice. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that there aren't some people, some teachers, some traditions within the Buddhist world that are much more dogmatic or much more, uh, you know, you must believe that. But it's my understanding from the Buddha (laughs) that that's not how it is. Gloria. Um, So I, in many ways, agree with you. I find um, difficulty with, for instance, a belief in reincarnation. And as I do have a difficulty with my Christian upbringing about, you know, if, if I'm not careful, I will go to hell after this life. And I say, until I walk through the door of death, I will not know what's on the other side. And possibly reincarnation is just the death of this body, it breaking down, and the molecules being used by other life. Right. Right. Yeah, just first, I just wanted to say how beautifully you did the sort of um, explaining of the parallels between the teachings of of, uh, uh, Buddha and Jesus. Um, I was raised a Hindu, and the teachings of Krishna are very much along the same lines. Yes. In the Bhagavad Gita, you know, he talks about... um, the exact same things, which is greed and aversion, raga, dvaisha, as they are called in Sanskrit. They are the cause of our suffering, and that leads to delusion, clinging to greed and aversion. And practicing the contrary of that, instead of greed, having generosity, instead of aversion, practicing forgiveness, and practicing nonviolence, or ahimsa, that eventually cleanses the mind and makes it available to see our true nature, which is our Buddha nature. So it is very similar in this regard. Right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. We are out of time, but I'd like to share with you just one of the parallel sayings that, that I think is so lovely. This is... Uh, the, the chapter is titled Materialism, but I would call it Generosity. Jesus, he looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. And this from the Buddha, this is not what he quoted, but this is in the issue at hand on page 33 (laughs) from the uh, uh, Samyutta Nikaya. Some provide from the little they have. Others who are affluent don't like to give. An offering given from what little one has is worth a thousand times its value. So, thank you all, and whether you celebrate Christmas or not, have a lovely day tomorrow.
And some of you, maybe I'll see you next Sunday night.